0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to What Am I Missing?, the podcast where I attempt to fill in the gaps of my knowledge through conversations with friends. I'm your host, Brett Walden, and today I am talking to Adam Scharf about Weezer. Adam's one of my best friends, and if we're being honest, it is difficult to get him to stop and talk about anything at length, let alone for over an hour on one topic. But the boy loves Weezer, and I took advantage of that. And in this episode, we go through everything you might want to know about the band, how they formed their discography, and, of course, the fan response throughout the entire thing. Now, right after we got done recording this episode, Weezer actually added another chapter to their story by recording Toto's Africa, which became this weird surprise hit. I'm sure you've already heard it. And that fact that they're still going and still can chart the way that they are, is boggling Adam's mind even to this day. Now, if you have any fun facts or anecdotes about something we've discussed on a previous show, or if you want to just roast me in the comments on iTunes, type them up and I'll read the funniest or most interesting ones out loud on a future episode, but only if you give me five stars. For instance, this review comes from Troll Egger on iTunes, and he writes, Dear Casey, Brett's selection of guests and his skill at conversation so far... So far... How bad do you think it's going to get? Anyway, his skill at conversations so far have held my interest in the topics of the show and the people talking about them. Good job, Brett and Guess. I hope you keep going for a long time. Five stars. Thanks for the vote of confidence there, troll. As always, there's a sneak preview of episode six coming out next Monday at the very end of the show. But enough preamble. Let's sail down the rivers Cuomo with Adam Scharf. Yeah, see, it's getting worse already. Take it away, Anthony. Yeah, okay, so um, I'm uh, sitting here in the studio with uh, Adam Scharf, which I'm very excited about. Welcome, Adam. Hi, Brett. Um, Very happy to have you here. Uh, So, uh, first and foremost, how are you doing?
1: Um, I'm feeling pretty good. It's kind of a a cloudy day, which is a nice variation.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was actually kind of sprinkling this morning. It was kind kind of a nice change. The heat's still here.
1: Oh, it's very humid. Yeah, yeah.
0: But um, no, it's very nice. It's very uh, very calming. We're sitting here with our tea.
1: We've got mugs of tea um, with, mice, with on mice on them.
0: With on them, um, and so we're just yeah, we're we're uh, we're we're sitting here ready to do the episode. I'm very excited uh, today. We are talking about uh, something that's that I've known about you for a long time, um, which is that you enjoy the band Weezer.
1: Yeah, I'm a huge fan. He's a huge fan. And I'm fan. actually, I forgot my number, but I am a part of the fan club.
0: Is that right? Yeah. What? Uh, how long have you been a part of that? Um, the fan club
1: went away, so I wasn't able to join it when it was in its heyday. Hmm. Um, but it started back up again in 2014, and I've been a member since then. Wow. Yeah. And you- uh, it Weezer, I, I love the band. I grew up with them, but like it never comes up in conversation. Right. No one really listens to them. <laughs>
0: so. Well, they're kinda they're they're kinda one of those bands that I mean I mean I I know about them a little bit, you know, and I've I've had experiences with them because I think they they sort of touch they they sort of intersect the lives of other artists and things that I am into.
1: Oh, because they have connections to like the Beach Boys and
0: uh, Or just or they they just You know, like they they show up in like like I was really into um, Kevin Smith movies in high school, and he was clearly into Weezer, like Mallrats. Mallrats chasing Amy. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so it was like so that Angus, huh? Is he? Did he do Angus? Angus.
1: Yeah, it's like this really obscure teenage '90s movie.
0: Uh, If he did, I didn't know about it. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But he, you know, like that was the first time that I heard uh, Suzanne. And I was like, what is this song? I love it. Yeah, You know what I mean? And so then, and of course, um, you know, growing up, uh, watching a lot of MTV and VH1, you know, the Buddy Holly music video was huge. Um, you Yeah, know, and because- it was
1: even featured on the Windows 94, like the startup drive or something. Was it really? Yeah, I remember watching it.
0: The video itself?
1: Yeah, they like, they're, I don't know what it was, but if you bought a computer... From, mm-hmm. With Windows ninety four ninety five or whatever, they would have they had that music video queued up in it. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it was just so innovative in terms of like. I mean, now you could do it sitting at your, you know, home computer and editing yourself into Happy Days, but back then it was just so uh, amazing to watch, you know, and how flawless it was in terms of like watching them literally play for the the, the cast of Happy Days as if they were in an episode and stuff. Yeah, like it was just so there's cool. There's so many
1: weird. It, the world of Weezer is weird. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Right, and it goes through tons of weird phases, um, painful phases. Mm-hmm. But like, they're the antiheroes of rock music, and I'm basically obsessed with them.
0: Sure. Well, and I think that's why that's where my experience comes from because it's sort of they they are they do sort of speak to a portion of the population that I think feels on the outs. You know, uh, Kevin Smith was uh, an independent filmmaker who made his first movie, Clerks, with, you know, his parents' credit cards. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so it makes sense that that type of artist would be sort of drawn to other types of artists that kind of were, you know, not necessarily mainstream, but still had something very interesting and unique to say. Yeah,
1: I mean, they're outsiders through and through. Yeah. They're always the outside man. and. Um, but they're the outsider that everyone can relate to that made it. Right. And was put into a light of fame and, and sheer creativity and just like overcoming um, all the odds. Because they should not be famous. Right. When you look at it, the time they were coming up, there was no way that these guys were going to be successful. Right. I mean, we're going back to they officially formed in 92 under the name. Weezer, but before that, they were just like this weirdo band where Rivers Cuomo was playing a lot of, um, like, 80s heavy metal. His hair was really long. Oh, wow. He was in a band called Fuzz. Um, and <laughs> He and, likes
0: those bands with Zs in it.
1: Yeah. And then you get somewhat Weezer, where you get Patrick Wilson on drums, mm-hmm. Matt Sharp is on bass, and Jason Cropper is on guitar, and Rivers is on guitar and lead. And they have, they go through t- weird phase where they're called sixty wrong sausages. Sixty now, wrong. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that, that's that's what they started with. Right. It's not looking good. <laughs> it's not. Yeah.
0: Off to a bad start.
1: And the, the music is just bizarre. And you you can YouTube um, their demos from that era. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them remain, and it's just it's it's like oh you almost tell it's Weezer, but it's I mean it, it's a little harder. It's a little more aggressive. Mm-hmm. They have long hair, and they're just—they're just trying to be something that they probably aren't and right. shouldn't be. But that alone is interesting,
0: right? Well, that's—I mean, they kind of came up. Then it sounds like sort of around the time that, like, the alternative scene was really starting to hit. Where they were they? Yeah, were they trying Nirvana to, was huge. Were they trying to fit into that? Yeah, or? totally. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, Nirvana was kind of running the show, and that was the big breakthrough, I think, for the band to start changing their sound. mm Hmm. Um, So basically, they were like, oh, we got to get our act together. Um, But everyone was kind of over the grunge thing and wanting something new. You know, Bon Jovi was starting to be considered extremely lame. Right. You know, things were (laughs) just... He cut off all his hair. Yeah, things were changing. So they're like, all right, I'm going to do the complete opposite. Right. And they started playing rock music that was poppy, but had a Beach Boy flavor Mm -hmm. and had like innocent, weird lyrics and it was very musically familiar right. but also something new and modern.
0: Well, yeah, so let's talk about that cuz here's, you know, um here's what I know and then I want to open it up to you. So, um and but that is sort of one of the things that I've always heard about the band is that um, obviously, like I said, I know some of the music, I know some of the music very well. Um some of, you know, some of it is uh, my my favorite songs, you know. And and the thing the thing that's interesting about Weezer is that they they do have the ability to hit you at certain points in your life with songs that you're just like wow this was written for me you know what i mean like there was some and and even even if it sounds you know superficial or silly it was like when i made the move to california um for some reason beverly hills had just come out at that time and i connected to it so hard we're going to have to get into that song yeah okay i'd love to but it was just like it was like I'm here. I'm listening to the song Beverly Hills and about how shallow and how fake and you know and all of these things is and it's like and I'm experiencing it firsthand and so it's like I get it, um, but the one thing that I sort of always like heard or knew about Rivers Cuomo was that he, at a certain point or maybe always, set his songs up very mathematically, like he has a formula. That he's like written down in a book.
1: There, there, there was an era of that, and he still has a lot of those tendencies. Right. In um two thousand, yeah, in like two thousand, maybe ninety nine, he started keeping spreadsheets and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out the pop formula. So he was studying Nirvana and all these great songwriters and trying to figure out what it was that made them work and so successful. Right. So he had notebooks upon notebooks of trying to mathematically figure out okay, why does this work? Why does this feel good? Right. And he tried to create a a formula for Mm -hmm. writing songs. And then it's sort of evident because when you listen to their 2001 self-titled album called Green Album, Mm -hmm. um, you're going to hear extremely rigid music with very formulaic, where it's almost bland because it's almost the same thing every time. Right. There's really no surprises on that album. Right,
0: you expect it. But arguably, that's one of the m- more successful albums. Totally right? was, yeah, yeah.
1: And I say it's almost bland, but also the lead single is "Hash Pipe, which is about a transvestite prostitute. <laughs> so, right, it's not all bland.
0: Right, the subject matter isn't necessarily bland, but the 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 song structures it is are a bit formulaic. It, and by
1: the end of it, you're kind of like, is there anything
2: else? Yeah, yeah
0: but it's almost i mean it's almost subversive in the, in a way because it is so deliberately meant for the masses you know what i mean in terms of the the music quality and and the expectations and and you know almost deliberately not being uh too daring or experimental to almost get it into the homes of like middle america and then hitting them with songs where if you listen to the lyrics like you said it's about you know transvestites and you know yeah they
1: really slid that one past everyone (laughs) you
0: know but even before that it's like whether whether or not it was meant to be formulaic it's like i mean they've got songs about all sorts of things Mm -hmm. lesbians and Mm -hmm. you know and just oh we'll
1: get into it i mean it's a weird world yeah and this music means so much to so many people yeah i mean they have a, a very loyal ravenous fan base to this day, mm-hmm. that's huge. It's a big cult. Right, there's a huge cult following of this band, who love everything they do, but also hate everything they do at the same time. Right, um, it's an infuriating process being a Weezer fan. I'm sure. Um, and I'd like to get into it.
0: Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's start. Where would you like to start? I'm-
1: let's start why it means so much. Yeah. Because at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got into them. Through my older sister, she always listens to cool music. Mm -hmm. She always has cool books she's reading and movies she likes. So I always kind of pick up on her Mm -hmm. and what she's... I just think, okay, what what is she listening to? I'm going to listen to that too. Right. Um, And she doesn't steer me wrong. But I was like maybe 12 years old and uh, the bathroom was right next to my bedroom. (laughs) So like I would be still sleepy, Adam. Uh Um, I didn't have to wake up to school. You know, maybe like a, to, I maybe like an hour before I would have to get up. My sister was up though; mm-hmm. she was like doing her thing, um, getting ready in the bathroom, and she would always listen to music. And I remember just kind of being sleepy and kind of woken up through the l- listening to music through walls. And I remember just hearing these chord progressions and this bass line and and um, this voice that could have been mine or right and i think that's pretty much what everybody was thinking like who what is this sound and and it could be anybody right there's something so ordinary about it yeah and she was listening to the green album mm. um at that point they only had three albums out but she would kind of and then when she would put on something else she would maybe put on pinkerton and i would be like huh this sounds kind of like weezer but right. it sounds like a completely different band different band right and then she would put on the blue album I was like huh, kind of sounds like Weezer <laughs> right but they're three completely different sounds yeah I mean you would really think they're different bands sure they don't sound the same sure they're three albums with different sounds right but that's how I got into it I was just like I loved listening to them you just the hear walls. it
0: through the bathroom walls
1: yeah and to this day that's how I listen that's to music that's how you have
0: to listen to it <laughs> all music yeah yeah with your, show- with your sister in the shower yeah <laughs> No, it's you know, whatever you gotta do. Um, yeah, so so Pinkerton was obviously the first album. Blue album. Or blue album was yeah. So, so they go back but I but sorry, so so but Pinkerton is the one that that people were kind of disappointed in.
1: That was the first letdown. And right. Brett, there are many letdowns to come. Sure. Oh. There are many letdowns yeah. to come. But the blue album comes out in ninety four. It's hugely successful, it's a huge unlikely hit. Mm-hmm. Um, basically because of three singles. The sweater song. If you
2: want to destroy my sweater,
1: say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. Buddy Holly. Rally, buddy Boom. Those three singles uh, go, they skyrocket up the charts. Right. And the music videos are being played constantly. They're fun, weird, music videos showing very unlikely rock stars Mm -hmm. having fun being silly um and having the time of their lives yeah and uh they become very successful yeah and and they tour the world um everyone i mean it's a big success and it's very unlikely you just look at a picture of them rivers has he's the lead singer he has glasses a bowl cut um (laughs) and their band name is weezer it just and he looks every time you watch videos, it looks like he is not interested in yeah. what's happening. Yeah.
0: Like he just kinda of wandered onto set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> it's extremely unlikely that they're these huge heroes, but people just love this underdog mentality.
0: Well, do you think that do you think that the timing of it had anything to do with it? Do you think they could have been successful in any other era? No, because I think people were kinda of tired of grunge
1: and they wanted something <laughs> new and then all of a sudden this weird new sound comes out. Yeah. That's familiar to that era, has the distorted guitars but it's something else. Yeah. Um, And people are just ready for it.
0: Yeah. Well, it definitely was an alternative to whatever was, you know, happening in pop music, you know, popular music of the day. And so, yeah, I think it, it, it's very easy to become, uh, to, to embrace that wholeheartedly. And, and they are fun. I mean that, that, you know, those three songs, especially that you mentioned are just, they're so good and interesting and, you know, not not really subjects that you would have heard no. before.
1: You get this this band who probably shouldn't be sounding as good as they do, mm-hmm. but they're shredding, and right. they're like these dopey guys who are creating these prolifically melodic uh, guitar solos. That I mean, you listen to this day to any of their live performances, the audience without a doubt is singing along to their guitar solos just as loudly as the chorus right because they're so memorable um it's incredible yeah i love the guitar solos. it's
0: funny because i um this is a bit of an intersection but i was thinking to myself um you know because what i got into at, at around the same time were the bare naked ladies um who i think sound wise may not be completely similar but i think in terms of like nerdy guys making music that you wouldn't expect like i think it would have been very easy for me to sort of go the other way um excuse me <clears throat> uh into weezer you know but i just happened to get into bare naked ladies instead mm. but even even then um i remember seeing them live in concert once and they sang uh they did a cover of buddy holly and it's funny that you mentioned that because he uh ed robertson does sing a lot of the guitar parts himself oh yeah you know and so even today when i sing along to either recording whether it's and Lady's cover or the weezer i will sing i will also sing the guitar part yeah the it's guitar just so parts are
1: just as good because they're very melodious yeah and it's like good. Oh, that could be a chorus but they're using it as this like small guitar solo but it's soaring and um it i love it and they really i mean if you want to look at the singles that's cool but there's also a lot on the album that it would be worth your time right um one of my favorite songs is no one else mm-hmm. um and man it's just one of the things that makes Weezer so cool is that their melodies bloom and take shape as the song goes along mm-hmm. and you start with something very basic oh it's pretty good this song sounds good but as you get back to the chorus it changes a little bit and then it changes a little bit more, and then it raises an octave. Right. So you have this evolving melody in a very unlikely way, where you're like, why didn't they just... They could have just used that the whole time.
0: Right, and, and gotten away with it.
1: But they didn't. They're like, they like, no, we're going to be patient with it. Yeah. We're going to give you like kind of the basic melody, and then just bloom it and evolve it. That's cool. It's definitely one of my favorite
0: songs. That's cool. Well, um, <clears throat> I want to try... I just bought a wire here. Um, I want to try to actually play that song. My
2: got a whether it's or you Oh
1: yeah. Yeah, see, and now they have sort of just establishing the bass, yeah. the melody, and the chorus. And this was the big song that Rivers credits to the Weezer sound. He just did a cover of the Beach Boys, mm-hmm. um, and he was sort of had this epiphany. And this is
0: one of the results oh, okay. of him diving into the Beach Boys. And so this one sort of solidified or help to solidify it like moving forward what the Weezer sound was going to yeah, be yeah pretty
1: quickly a string of songs came after the Beach Boys um, covers mm-hmm. um, which you can take a listen to on Rivers Cuomo's demo mm-hmm. album Alone yeah but slowly evolving and changing right I think the first change is here boom, all of a sudden
0: that's different. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay, so... Okay, so the music, we talked about the music and how it can be sort of like tonally different than the lyrics. All right? So there is a bit of a problem with this song in terms of the lyrical content. Okay,
1: I'm glad you brought it up because (laughs) I was totally... Because I've been listening to this... Song since I was like 12.
0: Right. Here comes the guitar solo. I mean, we're both bobbing our heads right now. Like it's very.
1: It's these guitar solos are not like just basic pentatonic blues scale. I mean, they're they're so different. They're, They're so melodious.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's a very melodious song, it's very easy to get lost in, in the, the, the musicality of it. But when you actually listen to the lyrics, um, and if you're not of a certain age, right?
2: Because mm-hmm.
0: I feel like at a certain age, when this came out, you may have heard this and you would have been like, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I'm looking for.
1: And now we singing the chorus an octave higher. So the lyric content, I get it. Okay. It's kind of sexist. Kind of. Okay. But here's the thing. So I had a discussion um, <laughs> about it recently because I was just like, I just listened to this. I've never considered it a sexist song. Right. Because it was just so relatable. Um, like, particularly the line, I want a girl who laughs for no one else. I don't think there's any guy who enjoys it when their girlfriend finds another guy hilarious. Right. I think at some level, it's always like, I want to be the funny person. Yeah. I think that's a very vulnerable, universal thing that generally people feel.
0: Yeah. And I think in a vacuum, I think that would be acceptable. But I think given the context of everything else that he wants the girl to be in the song, like it does start to paint a picture of...
1: Well, let's look at this. <laughs> I want a girl who laughs for no one else. Uh-huh. When she's away... She puts her makeup on the show. Right. Okay. <laughs> Don't
0: make yourself look pretty. I want you to, uh, you know.
1: When I'm away, she never leaves the house. I want you
0: to only make yourself look good when I'm around. <laughs> oh, yikes.
1: Yeah, but okay. So, and then what was the third one about the house? Um, when I'm away, she never leaves the house. <laughs> I want a, and Then he swings back to, so I want a girl who laughs for no one else. Right. Um, so he gets progressively
0: mm-hmm. worse.
1: Yeah. And so... I love this song. It's one of my favorite Weezer songs. Yeah. And I just sort of always accepted it. But now that we're in a new era of being a, more aware and looking at things differently, I was like, hmm, well, this is obviously one of those songs where we probably should look at. Right. And um, so I bring it up to a good friend of mine, and she is very eloquent and informative of these kinds of things. So I like trust her opinion um, a lot on this. And, I, and she's a Weezer fan. And I was like, okay. I got to bring this up to you because I love the song No One Else. I, it's one, definitely one of my favorite songs of all time. Right. Um, is it sexist? And she was like, you know, I think it can be considered sexist, but I think ultimately if you listen to the context of the song, you get that he is just heartbroken. Mm-hmm. A- and it's coming from a place of pain and not machoism, but just more I'm hurting Right. And they're so, I mean, it's sort of innocent, silly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think it should be condemned or anything or, you know, anybody who likes it, I don't think should be, you know, made to feel bad about it. But I think we can both agree that it, it is a, it's, it's problematic at best. Yeah. Or, you know. (laughs) And this, I
1: mean, this is a guy who's a nerdy, small, short guy, and he's, he's probably not having the best luck with women. Right. And he's just kind of fed up and kind of it's it's very adolescent to me this song sure I think it's sort of like from the heart of an adolescent guy who's just feeling a lot of pain and frustration right and I think that's what's coming through Mm -hmm. more so than like a a condescending look on women
0: well and that's why I think uh, what I was saying was I think you can connect with it if you're in that if you're in that mental state or that that sort of age where you you connect more with the feeling coming through rather than the actual like Uh, content of the lyrics itself and you just go like yeah this guy's he's he's hurting you know and i get that and then when you sort of move out of that or move past it or grow out of it then you go back and listen to it and you go oh wait hold on (laughs) you know like he's he's saying some things that i never realized before or necessarily agree with but i feel like he's got a few songs like that
1: yeah it gets complicated
0: okay so take me through it so what's next
1: um on the album like
0: or just, or, or in the timeline of, of Weezer.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's a big success, and I also say uh, you should listen to "Only in Dreams." It's number ten. It's the closing track,
0: it's, and yeah.
1: arguably one of the best finales to an album I've ever heard. Because there's a cre- a long crescendo,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that just builds anticipation, and then when it hits, and it it's all guitars. It's like three guitars so long at the same time. Yeah. And when it hits, it is. It is just like this orgasm of music yeah it feels so good my whole body it's a great song my whole body just sort of um, tingles and I feel so many sensations when I listen to this and it is the perfect ending to an album
0: so this is so this is the ending of their their first album yeah so this is what they're they're leaving you hanging for that next one they're going
1: yeah. I mean it's so powerful yeah and a lot of people think this song because you at first blush it sounds like he's talking about another woman, mm-hmm. but it's actually a metaphor for uh, the muse and the muse of creativity. Okay. And this is who he's actually talking to. So on one level, you listen to it, it's like, this is kind of lame. It's kind of cheesy from a certain perspective. Right. But he's actually talking about how hard it is to have creativity. Right. And I would even jump to the the build up then. This is a long song, Brett.
0: Do you know where that is? No fair enough oh it is it's an 8 minute song yeah
1: dude we we can't do that you gonna wanna go even more <laughs> okay back up back, up back, back up, up
0: back up back up back up back up back up okay not that far back up a little bit okay sorry everybody
1: back up a little bit oh boy back up a little bit okay <laughs> yeah alright so, you- so what are we listening for so- it's just going to be this now you're just at the baseline right and you have the cymbals and these haunting feedback of guitars are just subtly creeping in very subtle but I think this is so emotional already. Sure. Now it's all starting to intertwine. They're picking it up. no singing there's no lyrics it's just pure music at this point right that's my favorite I love that feedback
0: hypnotic in a way yeah the repetition of the drums and the
1: and it's the the same bass line the whole thing
0: right yeah it kind of lulls you into a sense of security and then something new will be added in
2: oh my god it's so good it's
0: great it's so good Wait, don't stop it. Not don't stopping. even stop it. Don't stopping it, baby. Oh, my
2: God.
0: Then he goes a little off the rails. Yeah, it does. It goes from a very sort of...
1: And then we're back to the bass again. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. It just, it breaks that pattern. It's, it's, like I said, it's very sort of hypnotic and repetitive, and then all of a sudden it goes into that, that place haunting. where it's just chaos. And then
1: it's chaos and triumphant. And... Yep.
0: Yeah, it's very, oh, yeah.
1: God. And that, so that's it. So that's the closing on the album. So right. now, we, basically, the blue album is considered their masterpiece. It is 10 tracks that are all good. There's not a bad song on the album. Um, And they have three huge singles, very successful music videos. Their closing track, Only Dreams, is... It's one of the best finales I've ever heard. Sure, it's so musically interesting. It's creative. Um, the voices is, is the voices you hear on this. It could be your friend singing, Right. but it's like them at their best. Yeah. So it's the underdog who's triumphed. Um, they are traveling the world. Um, everything is going great yeah. for this band. It's a they're statement. Finally, making money. Um, it, it, they're just accumulating this huge fan base, and at the end of it. They're all dissatisfied, really, because they realize that it's not the rock star life that they wanted. Most of their fan base, they say, are ten year olds uh, in nineteen ninety four. Right. So, <laughs> and they're playing the same like eight, ten songs every night. Right. Um, Rivers Cuomo is going into a depression. It's not what he wanted it to be. He's getting. Um, uh, he's feeling like he's wasting his brain.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, he is not having a good time. The band is kind of uh, less enthusiastic about it. They decided to take a break. So after one album. After one album. Great. And a masterpiece album, because it's just, they're not satisfied. They kept saying, I think in an interview, that, yeah, d- there's just 10-year-olds at our concerts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. So, so, they're kind of, they're, so they're really kind of looking, uh, looking a gift horse in the mouth a little bit. Yeah.
1: And then Rivers decides to go to Harvard, Right. So he goes into this depression. He's up in Boston. He grows a beard. He gets a uh, a leg surgery because one of his legs was shorter than the other or longer than the other and Oh really? Yeah, so he gets like these this awful surgery where they put pins in and they extend his leg Oh
0: and, yeah, I've heard about that.
1: So he's on crutches, he has a beard. Um, he's going back to school. He's very disillusioned. He feels like he's wasting his brain, so he's trying to like be more creative and learn compositional things. And he's studying classical music. There's these great demos of him putting horn arrangements together. He's playing the trumpet on all of them. It's not good, but <laughs> he's it's trying. Just, but it's very charming. He's definitely pushing for something bigger artistically right. than what was present on the Blue album. He sort he seems to be almost. Angry about the blue album and its success because he wants to be considered the serious artist. Right. So now this whole world is about to change. He starts getting a little weird.
0: Right. And starts. Well, do you think there's there's almost a disappointment in his audience too for actually embracing embracing it in the way that they did?
1: Yeah, because they thought he was hilarious. Right. They heard the sweater song and was like, "What a fun, silly song."
0: Right.
2: And he's
1: like, "No, that's my." pain (laughs) you're laughing at something that right like meant something to me this isn't funny music right he was so upset that people thought his music was funny
0: so it almost seems like i mean obviously the the 10 year old comment almost could be interpreted also as a as sort of a commentary on the mindset (laughs) of the of the perceived audience
1: so he goes off the path and is diving into opera music particularly puccini um, particularly the album um madame butterfly Mm -hmm. um and this starts a new thing where he's he starts writing their second album and the first take of it get this is a space rock opera entitled songs from the black hole (laughs) great (laughs) about these astronauts Uh. who have a band i think and i don't i maybe don't have a band i don't know but it's a metaphor for blasting off into success, but feeling dissatisfied. right? And the crux of it, it, basically, is he falls in love with two different women. One is very kind, passionate, and sort of this innocent woman. Mm-hmm. And the other is like this kind of badass, um, probably does drugs. Um, different, totally different end of the spectrum. Right. So it's an opera where he's torn between the, we could say, the rock's the rock star lifestyle of partying and traveling and womanizing and drinking Mm -hmm. and also like to the the domestic lifestyle, right? The safe. And this is the thing that would be in Rivers Cuomo's writing to this day of him trying to go back and forth between what he wants to do. Interesting. And he, he all of a sudden, um, relates to, um, Pinker, general Pinkerton in the opera Madame Butterfly, who is this womanizing sailor who goes around the world Um, finding women in different ports, having relationships, but then ultimately leaving them, just like a rock star. So he puts himself in that position. Right. um, And all of a sudden kind of starts changing paths and writes the album titled Pinkerton, where he ditches songs from The Black Hole. Maybe four songs from the opera are in the album, Mm -hmm. tracks one through four.
0: Oh, okay. So it starts out the way that it would have
1: and uh yeah but immediately it starts off at a weird foot track one is called tired of sex
0: (laughs) (laughs) what a statement so and
1: and the band is kind of like i'm not tired of sex right
0: (laughs) he doesn't speak for us yeah
1: so immediately we're sort of in this weird territory where it's very dark pinkerton is a raw dark album where he doesn't want to be hilarious anymore right he Rivers insist on straight up music videos where the band is playing. There are no gimmicks, there's no concept. He wants to be taken seriously. He dictates to the directors how much time each member can be shown on the screen in each shot. Wow. He's taking control because he's thinking he's being thrown to the wolves of ten year olds and dissatisfied um, creativity.
0: Right. So so my question is, is this sort of the first time that it becomes like Rivers? band or has it always been there's that way? there's
1: an interview in rolling stone around that time where you would think the band members are like i thought this would be more of a collaborative thing right but he is just so upset by the success of the blue album and how it's being received where he's going all in on this raw sound he thought that rico Kasich, who produced the blue album made it too polished and perfect so he is throwing it all away and making a huge statement um, by opening up being very vulnerable and let's face it a little creepy sure there's some creepy lyrics on this album yeah um about 18 year old girls how they touch themselves uh (laughs) i mean he is going into very vulnerable territory yeah but this is what he considers his masterpiece
0: well oh to this day he does that changes okay but (laughs) but up to so so this gets made and he's like this is the album that i've always wanted to make
1: yeah and it's raw it almost sounds like someone just recorded it in the garage
0: it sounds like he's almost deliberately trying to not make an album for radio play it's almost like some of the subject matter some of the things he's talking about it's almost like i dare you to to celebrate this yeah
1: it's yeah because there's 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 a story there's a concept of this where if you listen to it you can listen to it just fun and free and just oh this is fun rock music from the 90s but on the other level there's this layer of, of a story
0: right so you so, if you're a casual fan or you're, you are you, you you got into them from the beginning, you listen to the Blue Album, you listen to it through, you hear, only in dreams, what we just listened to, it ends that way. Right. You're anticipating oh, it's the next so note. Fun. Yeah. The next note that Weezer's going to play that you've never heard before. Yeah. You go out, you get Pinkerton. Pinkerton, let me put this on. Yeah.
1: Sounds kind of like a doorbell.
0: Okay, so they're letting you in. Or you're asking to be let in. Yeah, so already it's kind of dissonant. Yeah. It's disoriented.
1: It, it sounds very raw. Like, I'm this, no way was this professionally recorded.
2: So tired. I'm tired
0: of having time. So tired. <laughs> I'm spread. It's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting move, though, to come off, I mean, literally your sophomore album, and the first thing that you tell your listeners are, I'm tired. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He fills in the information a little later, but, I mean, the first thing you hear from him is, I'm tired.
1: He's tired.
0: It's like John Lennon, like, on a third album yelling, help. It's just like, yeah. what do you have to be upset about yeah. right now? But he
1: hates it. He's not satisfied. Right. And then he's, oh, this is so primal. This is when the album sinks right in. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah
0: So he's gone from It's changed he's The world has changed Expressing his pain through more like melody and, and lyric Oh and, and it's he-
1: beautiful though too It's so dark but it's so beautiful There are these counter melodies That are constantly weaving in and out of the album But it is raw It is somewhat creepy yeah.
0: um,
1: And it's completely different than their first sounds Absolutely. And the album tanks
0: Yeah well yeah
1: Rolling Stone called it one of the worst albums of the year. Wow. It, it flopped, and they're scrambling to save this album. Rivers feels like, I let everyone down. I let the fans down. I let the band down. So he
0: goes from deliberately, like, almost deliberately wanting to create an album that was, that, that people would not be able to listen to in the same way that they listened to the Blue album, Yeah, but still with the expectation that they were going to embrace it wholeheartedly. He wanted to be taken seriously. Right. He's like, I'm a
1: composer. I'm listening to Puccini. I'm putting a concept album out called Pinkerton.
0: Right. And so on the... Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting psychology because on the one hand, it's almost like he's, he's mad at the psychology of the audience for embracing the Blue Album in the way that they did. Yeah. And so he deliberately goes to change it and now he's mad at that same audience for not...
1: Oh, because they hate it. Well, of course. Everyone's like, "What is this?" And the single, the lead singer El Scorcho, Rivers says in the album, "He's like, this is perfect. This is gonna be it." And it tanks. And the video is weird. It's not successful. Um, They had high hopes for it, and it just—it was completely obliterated in the reviews. And this is heartbreaking interview that Rivers gives, where he was just saying what that time was like for him, where his mom—he was sitting with his mom in the living room or something and she was reading um amazon review Mm -hmm. and it was all these comments of like how awful it was wow and his mom was just reading it out loud and he's just sinking further and further into himself and he's horrified by the response that's amazing so he thought this was his masterpiece he put everything into he worked on this album for years right it is so open it's so raw it is very very honest yeah he just put himself out there and everyone hates him for it
0: yeah it's just it's fascinating to me that that he can simultaneously sort of reject the the will of the people on the one hand and then be so devastated by it on the other hand from album to album. You know what I mean? Whereas like the audience on the blue album goes, "Yes, this is what we love. We want this. We love this sound." And he goes, "You don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, And so then like, he puts out another album, and they go, we don't want this. And, and it's almost, I mean, it's the same thing, but it's like now he's so emotionally affected by it.
1: Yeah, oh, he's devastated by it, yeah. and it, it breaks up the band is wow. what it does. <laughs> it, it's just awful. Everything goes to hell right? because he thought he was putting out this masterpiece that was more real and honest, completely more valid than the Blue Album, but people don't like it, mm. uh, or so we think.
0: Right, it it makes a comeback.
1: It makes a huge comeback.
0: Right, but at the time it was awful. Rejected. I yeah,
1: mean. and he called it an embarrassment. I think in two thousand one he called it an, an embarrassment that just won't go away. Mm. I think he referred to it as a sickness because he just really put himself out there. Did
0: they stop? Because like like I said, bare necked ladies, like they would uh, they had hits, you know, or they had songs that sort of like in retrospect they kind of just stopped enjoying, and they just stopped playing certain songs in concert. Was that the same for Pinkerton? Did they just refuse to play Yeah, I
1: think they played less and less of it. Yeah. But, I mean, still a few things. I think Why Bother, Track number 4 was in the mix. Um, Tired of Sex was in the mix. Um, And my favorite song, I think, on Pinkerton, is probably No Other One, Mm -hmm. which is just so emotional. It feels operatic in a way. It's very... Oh, it's so good.
2: It's so
1: good. So No Other One is probably my favorite. But what's great about Pinkerton is it ends with a different Weezer sound completely, where it's just Rivers on acoustic guitar with this song called Butterfly, which is a direct reference to Madame Butterfly. Right, that where, makes sense. Yeah, where basically he's apologizing to her, to this woman, and just saying, you know, I told you I would come back, just like Pinkerton did. Because mm-hmm. Pinkerton in the opera falls in love with this Japanese woman, um, gets her pregnant, leaves, she waits for him in devotion over and over again, Um, He finally comes back to her, and um, as he's entering the room, she doesn't know he's there. She commits suicide. Oh, wow. So it ends in tragedy, and Pinkerton, the album, ends in tragedy. Right. Where he can't commit himself.
0: So Pinkerton, the name is actually the name of, of a character. A character in an opera. Okay. That's where that comes from. See? This is why I have you here.
2: Yesterday I went outside. With my mama's messenger, caught a lovely butterfly. When I woke up
0: today, putting on my fairy day. It's beautiful. Yeah, but this it is how it's ended. Yeah.
1: It's just no so tragic and sad. I'm sorry compared what to... We, we just did. went through the whole Pinkerton album, which is just bizarre
2: and raw I and distorted. Yeah.
0: This is... Um, it's interesting, because this is, to me, more emotionally vulnerable than... The first song where he was just like primal screaming into the mic, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? It's a different shade of it. And you just you hear, you can hear his voice like wavering and like it yeah, just. he
1: recorded this at like 3 a.m. You feel it, like 3 a.m. in the recording studio, just him and Carl Koch, the band, um, the band's like historian, mm-hmm. playing the bass drum. And this was the last song written for the album. Yeah. great so this is at the end of this process where the band is kind of like should we be singing songs like this is this our sound i thought i would be writing more like the blue woman had different co-writes this was all rivers and the band is kind of falling apart at this point right and this is the very last song that they recorded for this right
0: so it, it, it ends on a bit of a different note than the Blue Album does as well. Yeah. Whereas the Blue Album was a bit more triumphant. And,
1: oh, triumphant and creative. Yeah. Um, anthemic. And then yeah. it just, and
2: it's this.
0: Yeah. So they break up.
1: They go on a hiatus, but, oh God, this is so good.
2: I told you I would return When the Robin makes his nest But I ain't never coming back
1: Now he's going to apologize a lot
2: <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> It's okay so I'm sorry I'm sorry
0: Yeah, there's, I don't know, there's an interesting psychology in all of this Yeah he starts out by saying, I'm tired. I mean, it's and it's very... He's
1: saying, I'm tired of the rock and roll lifestyle, in a way.
0: I'm tired, and then he ends it by saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. You know?
1: So, this is when it all goes to hell. Right. So, the band goes on a hiatus. Their bassist quits. Okay. And starts a side group called The Rentals, which has moderate success. Basically, Matt Sharp takes the sound from early Pinkerton sessions, Songs from the Black Hole, mm-hmm. with like, this more synth involved. And makes that his band.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Um, and even because the original concept of this album was to have two different women singing on it. Mm-hmm. And um, he just kind of gets, I think he has a woman on it. I think Maya Rudolph from SNL is in the rentals. Oh, really? For the first, first or two albums. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so he just kind of takes it. Yeah. And so Rivers is crushed. Pinkerton is a flop. Uh, the ba- fan base is upset. The bandmates don't really like it. Um the bassist quits and takes the original sound and has success with it. <laughs> right. Um, and he's just crushed. Yeah. And he goes into obscurity and the band goes on hiatus. Uh, I think he goes back to his school, I think, for a little bit. He starts a side group called Homie
0: mm-hmm. where
1: they have kind of have like a more optimistic country sound. Okay. Um, and there's some life, only only some obscure live tapes now. You can find on YouTube of that era. Mm-hmm. But things don't look good. But... As this time is progressing from 96 to 2001, slowly fans are loving Pinkerton right. in a way that no one loved it before. It gives birth to the emo movement. Mm, so All of a sudden, teenagers are ravenously devouring Pinkerton right. and obsessing over it. And it gets a huge following. So here's the irony. So Rivers has sworn it off and goes into his analytical phase of going to notebooks, dissecting song structures, and trying to create the perfect formula for pop music. Right. His music becomes very formulaic, very distant from his feelings, complete end of the spectrum, where he's no longer being honest and vulnerable. It's just sort of generic lyrics. Right. He goes – he even says in, in like, interviews, yeah, I I was just – just talking it really wasn't anything about my life he's just kind of he doesn't know where these songs are coming from they're really not connected to him yeah because he thinks well that's probably what they want now right because they hated when i was myself and i opened myself up so i'm going to just not do that anymore right
0: and as he's having that sort of like thought all of a sudden there's this new generation of fans who are rediscovering pinkerton and
1: they adore
0: it love it it's
1: they love it more. It's their favorite album. Yeah. It becomes a part of them.
0: I think that's why I thought that it was the first one because it was always, it was always the one that I never really heard about or listened to, but it was always the one that within circles that I ran in was like, you have to listen to Pinkerton because it is sort of their underground album. Mm-hmm. And I guess in my mind, the timeline is, well, sure, then that's always the first one. Mm-hmm. It's the least appreciated, but it's the one that you come back to and go, oh, wow, they were starting something there. So it's interesting it's to actually hear that it's yeah. flipped.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. But it is an incredible album. But cue up, don't let go. Don't let go. So here we go. So we just listened to Pinkerton. We know it was a flop. He's going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But secretly, the, the fan base is loving it now. Uh, and that's all they want to listen to. Uh, they start hearing Weezer come back. They're on the warp Tour. Um, they're playing around. They're playing a ton of new songs. Um, they're like, oh, a new album? I can't wait, because they love Pinkerton now. Right. So they're <laughs> like, I just want more of this.
0: Right, so now... And then
1: River's like, all right, guys, I got a brand new album for you.
0: So similar to Blue album into Pinkerton, we're hearing we're hearing the the end of the album into the, you know, I'm tired... And then we're, going, we're leaving Pinkerton on sort of this down note, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? So now, like you said, you've got all these fans, they want to hear the next new thing.
1: They want Pinkerton.
0: They want the next note from yeah. Pinkerton, and they get the first song from the Green album. What the hell? I can imagine being a Weezer fan would be very difficult.
1: It's infuriating. Yeah. And the lyrics are so cheesy.
2: Yeah, you are right
0: though, it is a completely different sounding it's band. It's like a different band. Yeah. It's a little more um, I don't know if this comparison is apt, but to me it sounds a little more like cake or something like that. Where it's just a little more—it's a little more surfacey.
1: So, but the band—it's very surface. Yeah. And the fan base is like, what? Right. We want you talking about falling in love with a lesbian. Right. We want you screaming. We want these (laughs) like—we want these guitar solos. But what we get is every one through ten. Every song on this album The guitar solo is just The melody Of the chorus right. There's no It's all the same Every single track is the same trick
0: Yeah Where it's like
1: wait This isn't what I signed up for Right But They are back in the spotlight though Sure Because they get two big singles
0: well, I was going to say this. I mean just looking at the track list You've got Island in the Sun Right, right. And Hash
1: Please play Island Song.
0: You want you want that one?
1: Because compare that to Pinkerton. Oh yeah. It's immediately different.
0: But I assume you know if you're listening if you're listening to this this is this is the this Weezer is song that you radio. know. This you is know feel good radio. This is feel good radio
1: music. Yeah. And to this day, uh, my mom came recently to Florida and she was like, "I was by the pool all day. They play that Island Song a lot." <laughs>
0: This, they play this song it's, and it's easy it's generic yeah. easy feel good music but so
1: get this so the mainstream embraces them again yeah this album sells big Rick Kasich is the producer the same producer of the Blue, Blue album. album they're back in the spotlight they're selling records they have huge crowds at their shows Hash Vibe, their lead single, it's climbing up the charts. Island the Sun climbing up the charts. Yep. They're back in it. They're playing MTV award shows. They play SNL. They're back into it. Right. But the fan base is baffled by this music. They're listening to Island the Sun when they really want tired tired of sex.
0: Right. <laughs> so, so your core group that you're you're trying to hit is just they don't know what to do with it. Right. Right.
1: So Rivers is like stump. It's right. like
0: shit. It's like you know what's funny and I know I keep bringing it back to this, but this is my point of reference. It's like the Bare Naked Ladies. You get songs like One Week or If I Had a Million Dollars and people who don't know the band think that that's that's who the band is. And in and when you're a, a fan that goes deeper into it and has all the albums and listens to all the songs, you go, "This is this is an anomaly." This isn't the band that I have fallen in love with and that I followed around. This, you know, Bare Naked Ladies sings about depression and drug use, and they have like an entire album that's like about suicide. And you would never know that if you only listened to like one week, you know, yeah. which was written as a lark based on their live performances because they used to not have enough songs to fill out their uh, concerts, and so they would improvise songs. And so they went into the studio, and they go, what if we wrote a song that sort of captures the energy of one of our improvised, which is why you get all that Chickadee China nonsense. Okay. You know, but it, like, it hits, and all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, the one-week band, and, you know, right. and, and as a fan, you're going... That's not them. No, man. That's not the heart You know, no. Yeah. And that's why it's like when you hear music like this, or so you hear music like If I Had a Million Dollars, and then you look at the, the people singing it, and you go Stephen Page got kicked out of the band for heroin use Whoa, yeah. you would not ex- you know what I mean yeah. and, or you or you hear about what you're telling me about Rivers Cuomo where you're just like this this isn't the same guy that yeah. you're describing
1: yeah but they're about to change gears again right of course so, they are and this album because Matt Sharp left Matt Sharp the original bassist in blue album and Pinkerton left yeah. started the rental so they had Mikey Welsh come in just for the green album and um, then they're like okay well I guess we gotta do something else but they have a lot of attention on them now people they're back in the spotlight people love them again
0: right but so and so you said this is is this the point then that your sister kind of gets into it
1: yeah this in 2001 basically this right is, i'm like 12 years old at this point
0: so you're starting to get into it via yeah. the shower so walls
1: yes yeah, so the shower walls are speaking to me right and i'm into it now so i'm listening to all the first three albums as if they're just one taste i don't know the story at this point right I'm just I'm just obsessed. But the, I'm
0: in love with it. The green album is kind of your entry point. Yeah. Okay.
1: And then they start doing this thing like, okay, I guess we gotta change gears. So they start doing this thing, they use the internet in a way no one's done it before. They start releasing demos on message boards and fans comment on what they like and don't like.
0: Oh, interesting. And then they
1: take the feedback. So but it turns out to be an infuriating process where the band hates it. Obviously. Of course. <laughs> Who thought that would be a good idea? <laughs> no,
0: it's a terrible idea. But they
1: they kick out the bassist, Mikey Welsh. They get Scott Schreiner. They change their sound. They on their next album. It's only coming out a year later, in two thousand two. They come out with Maladroit,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it's a different sound. Yeah. Again. Yeah. It's more of a heavy metal, pop rock album, and um, it doesn't do as well. No. Uh, and there's even a song about complaining and bitching about the fans complaining about the music oh really so things are kind of turning sour here so but all, yeah arguably it's the it's like the ugly stepchild of their catalog it is a beautiful diverse album and I love it I have great memories of me and my best childhood friend um, just driving around in his Jeep blasting this album for hours right i love maljoy it was wasn't my first time going to the store by myself walking down sure and buying my first album that came out on the day it came out
0: yeah so i was like
1: all in
0: that's great well yeah and and i love you know and that's the thing is that i love that you know in spite of popular opinion or, or whatever the critics say it's like the fact that that was your that was your, you know, your sister got you into it via, you know, the the shower walls or whatever. But then it was like, once you were in it, you made the choice to walk down there on the first day. You were looking forward to the, you know, and whatever the album was going to be, it was going to be yours. Yeah. You know and, what and I mean? I think
1: I first listened, I was like, I don't know if I like it. But then I kept going into it. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. This is amazing. Yeah. But the album doesn't do well. They don't have a producer. They get kind of cocky after the Green Album. Mm. And they... They do it themselves, and they thought that all their singles were going to work. Um, but it's kind of a letdown, and it doesn't sell that well.
0: Right. Does it have a what, – what was the single off of? Keep Fishing and Dope Nose. Dope Nose, I remember. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which are really good songs. And they get a lot of play on MTV because Keep Fishing features the Muppets.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So they're kind of backtracking into concept funny videos.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it's that kind of works for them again. So now Weezer is sort of always synonymous with fun music videos, right? Because of ha- the Happy Days thing and Body Holly and yeah, Hash Bypass like all these sumo wrestlers,
0: right? Uh, oh, I do remember this. Song. Yeah, so this
1: is kind of similar to Green Album, but not really.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little different it certainly doesn't touch pinkerton in terms of no, like dissonance no it's still
1: different cuz he's still embarrassed by it. right he still hasn't the band hasn't embraced that album yet
0: right and meanwhile fans are still are they still clamoring for yeah, pinkerton this bring is kind that of the back end.
1: like my sister didn't like this album oh yeah she stopped listening at uh, at Droid. she oh, was like i like the first 3 I'm content so she falls off
0: okay so that's a, that's a distinct possibility fans are starting yeah, to go so like... so fans
1: are starting to think, well, I guess there's two albums in a row that I'm not crazy about. Right. So uh, it all kind of goes downhill. So then they take a long hiatus where they're scrambling. Rivers gets into meditation. He's trying to find a different well of creativity. Um, it's a long... It's 2002 is when this comes out. Their next album does come out to 2005. Wow. There's rumors of them breaking up. Things don't look good. Um, but slowly, we start hearing like weird things, like Rick Rubin is going to produce album number five. Okay. But people are generally optimistic at this point. They're thinking, "Well, Melodred wasn't great, but it was good enough, right? And it was still so satisfying, and it showed the band with a lot of variety." Yeah. They're like, okay, I- I'm into album five.
0: And every other album is great.
1: Yeah. I was like, let's do it.
0: <laughs> every odd-numbered album is great, so we're we're going on to five. So yeah. this one's going to be awesome. And then
1: May tenth. 2005
0: wow you know the dates
1: young adam goes to <laughs> circuit city
0: he, that is an old-fashioned sentence he
1: purchases make-believe their fifth fifth album
0: oh
1: uh and i i can't wait they gave me a poster brett circuit city gives me a make-believe poster i cannot wait to listen to this album i've been following the website i've been listening to the teasers on myspace wow i cannot wait to hear make-believe yeah Maladroit was a great album to listen to. i can like, okay, I want more Maladroit. And, uh. First song. I don't even want to say it out loud. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. yeah. California lifestyle.
1: Oh, He's rapping now? He's. <laughs> oh, he's... Okay. Alright. Easy. Okay, three chords. Three simple chords. Okay. Okay, a little self loathing.
0: It's kind of get back. got nothing to that. in my pocket.
1: Okay, the chorus is the same three chords. Okay.
0: Alright. Oh, God great I remember um, like I said I, I got into this song when I moved to LA and I remember quoting
2: this line yeah there was something about
0: it and I remember saying that out loud to somebody and they were blown away Because I don't think they'd ever heard this song. It's interesting. They were like, did you just make that up? And I was like, no. But isn't that an interesting lyric? It's a cool lyric.
1: But here's the thing. Everyone's disappointed in the Weezer fan base about this song. Sure. Because it's just kind of lame. He's talking about, like, you are famous.
0: (laughs) Right. What do you want? You are
1: a millionaire. (laughs) Right. You've sold millions of records.
0: Yeah. You're taking our money. I know this to be a fact. You just said
1: you have nothing in your pocket. Right. Why? This and what what is this?
0: So (laughs) that This is like some Peter Frampton stuff. Yeah,
1: and it's like it's baffling. I remember being
0: crushed when I first heard the song.
1: I was devastated.
0: So it's almost so like the self-loathing of the blue album suddenly he tries to bring it back, but it's not genuine anymore. It's not genuine. It can't be And it's like,
1: who are you talking about?
2: Right.
0: Who
1: is this song about? So River starts this new thing in his career that he does to this day where he role plays. And now he says He says, I love this song. People misunderstand it. He says, it's written because it's like, even though you're famous, you're still never really famous enough. And he was famous, but he still wanted to be a part of the scene in a way that he didn't feel like he was. Fair enough. But still, the song has grown on me. I like it now. I think it's really fun when they play it live. Yeah. But honestly, it was a huge letdown.
0: Yeah. Well, see, and it's interesting because, again, it's not having that connection to it, I was able to place myself into the character of the song. Especially being in that area at that, at that time where I was just like, yeah, I get it. I'm a no down beat down fool. You know what I mean? It's like, that's me. Yeah. I wasn't taking it from his perspective and going, who are you talking about? I'm like, you're talking about me.
1: Yeah. So that's the thing. If you listen to Weezer outside the narrative, you're fine with it. Yeah. But if you're in the narrative, it's crushing. Right. Because you're like, this isn't, this is the betrayal.
0: Right. Yeah. If you're following the timeline and going from song to song, you're going, this doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah. But then track two happens, perfect situation. And it starts with a Pinkerton esque guitar solo where it almost sounds like he's crying. It's extremely emotional. And this, like this big build-up. And you're like, oh, wait, what is this? Right. This sounds familiar. This is the band that, you know, got me through middle school and high school. And it's like, oh, this is them again.
0: Right. So it's almost like they're trying to play two sides now. Yeah. They're trying to play to their, their core fan base, but they're also trying to play to, to new fans or, you know, the 10-year-olds
1: yeah but it's like oh this is great yeah this is Weezer and I was like okay where are we going next where does <laughs> this song go next oh okay.
0: <laughs> Just, they stop it
2: Aww. and
1: then they get these weird cheesy lyrics oh god oh I hate this lyric oh it's so bad oh god
0: yeah rum I mean, hero zero is you know, a good thing. okay
1: whatever okay so he's not a hero he's a zero okay fine <laughs> but it's still a fun beat I like the melody uh-huh. the intro was great take me to the chorus I want to hear where this goes okay let's see what you got hit me with it oh there's no chorus <laughs> that's not those aren't words
0: <laughs> right.
1: He, He's just saying, whoa. <laughs> it else, by the way, it's the same chord progression as the verse. Yeah. So a new trend happens in the Weezer discography where the song, all the chord progressions are the same. Same. There's maybe a difference in the bridge, but the verse, chorus, it's the same chord progression. Right. So it, it sort of, we're veering off Weezer territory where things are interesting, interesting musically, where it's sort of becoming bland. Right. And it's like, oh,
0: wait, this is a letdown. Right.
1: But I will say, this is one of my favorite Weezer songs. Oh, really? It's grown on me, and I love this it, song. It,
0: out of the entire discography? Yeah, I love it. Wow. And when we play it live, it's so good. Well, see, and that's, I don't know, that's sort of, I think, the, the, the magic and the mystery of, of Weezer is, like, there are so many things to be disappointed about or upset about, because you have examples of other things that they've done, like, better yeah. Or more interesting. Right. But.
1: Oh, well, let's talk about Beverly Hills because let's go back to it because the Weezer fan base is devastated by this song. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The mainstream loves it. Oh, sure. It goes like number one.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, the album, I think, debuts in number two and they get nominated for a Grammy. Beverly Hills gets nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> the right. only time. Right. A Grammy. A Grammy. And I people mean, are like, what are you, are we listening to the same music? Right. But they're sort of back in the spotlight, kind of similar to the Green Album. Yeah. But people are not really, it's getting destroyed. The song We Are All On Drugs is baffling. It sounds like the diarrhea song.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> the lyrics are lame. Yeah. Um, but there's some good moments in it. But ultimately, it's sort of a, a, a slow letdown of an album where it, we just we're not connected, but it's arguably more connected emotionally because it's definitely more pinkerton-esque
0: it's getting back to that
1: yeah but yeah. it's just not a really a home run right but if you want to listen to a good song on it listen to haunt you every day that's one of my favorite songs it's the closer and uh it's beautiful
0: haunt you every day
1: yeah and that's that's how we leave make believe rick rubin told rivers to write a song like billy joel so this is the first song you wrote completely on piano
0: oh interesting
1: But this is where i was like oh i want weezer to go in this direction right this is fun yeah like it's interesting and it's different and it does kind of have this weird haunting billy joel quality and I, so I, i'm like into this
0: right so, yeah so there's enough it seems like there's enough of these moments that they keep you going on to the yeah. next and album now
1: when i listen to it i love the album but as a young young man i was really heartbroken yeah to listen to this yeah it just was so different It's like when Weezer they like we're going to get experimental But when Weezer gets experimental They get more
0: generic Because <laughs> right. they're
1: already different and quirky right. Right. So Weezer getting experimental is a bad thing Because they just sound like everyone else right.
0: their, their version of experimental is a notebook Full of mathematical yeah. equations Trying to figure out what everybody else exactly.
1: is doing So songs like Peace Songs like This is Such a Pity um, Damage in Your Heart on um, Make Believe album they just they could be any band right and it's not really that distinct anymore yeah. so and
0: that that, that yeah. you know that's disappointing as a fan yeah so fast forward okay
1: everything's kind of people are disappointed with this album it's not good
0: <laughs> that seems to be the this the 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 uh what happens after every album yeah somebody's disappointed Yeah, but
1: they take a long break again a uh-huh. long break so you have, if you're a weezer fan you know that there's historic hiatuses <laughs> right. so the next album has come out to 2008 mm-hmm. and there's more rumors that the band has broken up at this point it doesn't look good but they did have a good deal of success with they were back back at it sure you know? people were somewhat paying attention the red album comes out oh boy 2008 people are like okay now make believe is a very insightful um very personal you know, deals with trying to change, trying to change your behavior, trying to be a better friend. It has all these themes. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, now that's what I'm into. So <laughs> there's a pattern here. I'm usually into what they just released.
0: Right. There's a new and normal. I, I want
1: more of that. I'm yeah. like, okay, I like make believe now. Let's listen to that. Yep. And then uh, the first song comes out <laughs> as their lead single.
0: Is it? Is it Troublemaker? Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's see what we got. Here. Oh, that's still Beverly Hills. Put me in a special school. He's rapping He's again.
1: He's not <laughs> such a drill. And I don't need a single book to teach
2: me how to read. Who needs stupid books? They are for petty crooks. Oh, and I will learn by studying the lessons in my dreams. So turn off the
1: That is eating chocolate ice cream. It's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of fun. Yeah. But it's just, again, he, he starts doing this thing where it's not really relevant. Right. It's kind of like distant from him, so fans are kind of scratching their heads. Also, later in the song, he rhymes, what does he do? Biatch with kiosk, kids.
0: Kiosk?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it, people are kind of like, what is he doing? Stop. Then the album cover comes out. And it's like this, like, concept album cover where everyone's playing their different personas. Mm -hmm. Rivers is in a cowboy outfit with a mustache (laughs) that he keeps for the promotion of the album and the tour.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm looking at it.
1: Brian Bell, the guitarist, kind of becomes this intellectual hipster. Yeah. Pat Wilson looks like a conservative Republican. Yeah. Scott Schreiner, the bassist, didn't do it.
0: He's just dressed 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 as himself. He
1: wore a t-shirt that he wears all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So... They all couldn't just do it. <laughs> they couldn't even agree on they it. They couldn't all. even agree yeah. on it. Wow. So it's this baffling album cover, weird lead, lead single. Yeah. And people are like, and then he goes back into just fantasizing about being other people, being poor, and it's like, oh, this this isn't Weezer. Right. But I will say the song Pork and Beans is.
0: Incredible. I was gonna say that's the one that I know.
1: This is the best song on that album, hands down. It's fun. It did well. Had a good music video. And it was like Weezer being Weezer again. Yeah. Saying, like, yeah, you want me to do all these things? You want me to work with Timbaland and all these things? I'm just going to be myself.
0: Yeah. Well, and again, it's like, uh, musically, it's very sort of sonically, it's very interesting. It's kind of got that loping. You know, it's just quirky. it, It draws you in. It's quirky and weird. Yeah.
1: And it's about being the anti hero, which is why you listen to Weezer in the first place.
0: Right. Right.
1: And then the crushing chorus.
0: they just they seem to be very um i don't know they seem to be a very retrospective band in the sense that it's only when you look back on it later and think about it you go oh there was a lot to appreciate it's, it, there's a lot to love about this album. In the, in the they moment... They take a lot of risks. Because I remember when it came out, it was just like, what are these guys doing? Yeah. You know, Pork and beans. Like, I even remember that sort pork of being and, what, like it's a... It's weird. Pork and Beans the, is their The chorus single?
1: is, I eat my candy with the pork and beans. Yeah. Like,
0: what the fuck does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> and in the moment when it's happening, people are going, I don't understand this. I don't like this. But then yeah. you let some time pass and you look back on and you go, no, you know what? This is actually stuck with me. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane.
1: But so like you get this and like you get this. So track two, you're going to want to play track two. Okay. It's called the greatest man that ever lived. And it is like a six minute song that Mm -hmm. some liken to Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, Weezer's version. Okay. But. Oh God. It's, it just starts so awful. This is like a variation of a Shaker hymn, I think. This melody.
0: Oh yeah, you can hear it.
1: So it's like, oh, this is cool. Okay. But then it gets into such bizarre territory.
0: Yeah. It's got that live, live performance feel.
2: Oh God. I'll be
1: playing in your underwear. He's rapping again. Yeah. You come like a dog when I ring your bell.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> it's, but, I mean, now I love it.
1: But at the time, I was That's like, That's what I'm oh, saying. That, yeah.
0: I, the, on, on first hearing, you go, nope. Nothing yeah. about this So you sword. go from
1: make-believe. It's like, oh, God. About trying to like better yourself and being introspective and getting into meditation right. and philosophy. Ending with haunt you every day. Uh, kind of getting into like Billy Joel territory and then you get this right and it, everyone's scratching their heads
0: right so how do you not as a fan at this point how do you not take the route that your sister did and just drop off
1: everyone is dropping off my my childhood best friend who we listen to Maldry all the time yeah he despi- he stopped at um, Make Believe really said I'm not listening to them again and stopped wow so he's out my sister's out a lot of friends who I knew liked him were out so what keeps you going cause I love it <laughs>
2: Cause, were were cause you appreciating it in the moment? Because or you I just... also
1: think it's hilarious that like they do this make believe album and then they come out and Rivers has a mustache and he's dressed like a cowboy right. and singing a song called "I'm the Greatest Man That I Ever Lived." Right. It's kind of hilarious. So it's
0: sort of I mean, knowing you, it kind of it does kind of speak to that anarchic side of yourself, oh, where it's, it's anarchy, just like yeah. deliberately making choices that are going to make people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. So is that is that something that you think? it's like a chicken and egg thing. Is that something that you think speaks to you as something that you sort of came to outside of Weezer? Or do you think Weezer helped influence that part of you in terms of your aesthetic?
1: I think they made me more aware of like the outsider causing mischief. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. And I, right. to this day, it influences me right. behaving that way and in my shows and my writing. And I love that kind of aesthetic.
0: Cause there is something to the idea that, you know, like we touched on before that them experimenting is actually getting more generic, mm-hmm. But it almost does sort of expose the idea that 90% of the music that you're listening to on Top 40 is just generic, boring crap. And the fact that they're able to just do it with such ease and such formula and still get nominated for a Grammy and still, you know, and get all of the praise and stuff. But they're just going like, this is... The easy part, you guys. Nothing that you're doing is difficult.
1: No. Yeah. So there's a weird backlash against the Red album, but it also is pretty good. Like, fans like it more than Make Believe, generally. Right. And Melodroid, generally. Okay. And they have a great song called The Angel in the One that closes it, and it's kind of reminiscent of Only in Dreams, because it starts very simple and builds and builds and builds, and there's this is crescendo, and it ends really well. Right. It's like, oh, you know what? This isn't a bad album. It's pretty good comparatively, yeah. and there's a lot to love about it. Um, and it's the Weezer community is optimistic at this point. They're very hopeful. They have pork and beans where he's kind of saying, like, you know, the regular everyone wants me to do this and this, but I'm going to be true to myself. I'm going to be me no matter what. <laughs> right. You know, you want me to work with uh, Timbaland? You know what? No, I don't need a weird co-writer just to go up the charts. Um, so a year goes by, only a year, 2009 they released their next album after just declaring that they're going to be true to themselves (laughs) brett play can't stop partying
0: god i can already tell
1: so everyone's on board with this pork and beans message
0: they got them back they
1: got yeah for the most part people are back
0: do you want to um do you want to say the name of the album that this is on yet oh god
1: Gratitude.
0: Gratitude. <laughs> how did you even purchase this one? Is this it? Yeah. He doesn't even mean this. He's so disconnected from the lyrics. Here's the
1: thing. This song was co-written with Jermaine Dupri. Mm. And there's a great acoustic demo where it works. The song is great actually in acoustic. Because Jermaine Jermaine Dupri is this hip-hop guy. He wrote the lyrics. Rivers writes the song. And it actually takes on this sad quality. And it's sort of this melancholy.
0: gloominess under everything. And it
1: works as an acoustic sad song. But they just told us that they wanted to be true to themselves right. and not chase co-writes. And then they come out with "Can't Stop Party," which is just a top 40 Bottles song. Bottles of the Goose, yeah. And then guess who features on it? Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne raps
0: Are you on a Weezer song. <laughs> so they're just they're just messing with you at this point.
1: And it's kind of hilarious. Their there's stage picture becomes weird. Rivers, they're in jumpsuits now. There's a trampoline on stage. Rivers isn't playing the guitar. He's just walking around like a zombie. He's, jumping, he's climbing the rafters. He's playing songs titled, I'm Your Daddy. Can't Stop Partying. Uh, it's becoming very hilarious.
0: If you didn't know better, you would almost think that he was having like a nervous breakdown.
1: Yeah, and he's a 40-year-old man at this point.
0: Okay, so I want to touch back on something that you mentioned before you hinted at. So, um, you said that his idea of his masterpiece changed. Have we have we heard it yet?
1: Here's Lil Wayne. Sorry. Uh, like tomorrow is my funeral. Gotta stop
0: mixing alcohol with and the unused usual is the
2: usual man my life is beautiful and my girls are mutual okay, okay bitches and it's weezy. Upside down MTV. <laughs> there you go please don't shoot me down
0: right. because yeah, I'm yeah. A- uh, weezer and weezy
1: so it's like okay, okay, they just said they weren't gonna do this stuff right and then they do it full force right
0: yeah so so before you had said like he had considered Pinkerton, his masterpiece yeah and then i think i asked does he still and you said well that changes well
1: no because he thought it was his masterpiece it did so poorly he he was embarrassed oh by so he he so personally he describes his it. own opinion yeah so then he's like no this is the worst thing ever this is an embarrassment i'm it just keeps getting worse year after year okay i wish people would stop listening to it
0: so it's not he that something better it. came along necessarily it was just public opinion was so yeah. The, the backlash was so strong, he was like, nope, I changed my yeah. mind.
1: but at this point, so he's moved on. Right. But like he, he, he's made peace with it. In 2010, he's going to release the Pinkerton Diaries, mm. um, along with demos of that era. He's going to do a deluxe version of it that's released with the double vinyl. And they're going to tour just Pinkerton and the Blue Album. So they definitely embrace it. Right. Their point of view changes, but... At this point, Rivers is completely different. He likes Miley Cyrus. This is what he listens to generally. So uh-huh. people look at Weezer as selling out on Ratitude. Right. But he genu- he loves this music. So he's being himself just like he was on Pinkerton. Right. But it's just not what we, it's not the self that we want him
0: to be. Right. So what is your, what is your personal response to Ratitude then?
1: I like it, but it's like a funny album to me. It's funny. I think it's hilarious. It's like, what if Weezer did a, a pop album? Right. As Weezer, and it's very weezer Yeah, it's kind of weird lyrics. It's quirky. Um, this good guitar work. It's poppy and catchy, but it's—I mean—it's a big disappointment in the
0: <laughs> in the narrative of it. I feel all. like every album is a big disappointment to yeah. like a large population, and it, and it just—and it just gets worse. Um, you know. Well, what was the one with the dude's face on it? Hurley. Was that next? Jesus,
1: yeah. So everyone's baffled by gratitude. They leave Geffen. Geffen doesn't want him anymore. So they've done nine albums. So album ten comes out, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Okay, maybe it'll be better than Ratitude." Um, and we see the album art. The first thing we see is the guy from Lost, right. the big guy named Locke. <laughs> right. There's no, it's just his face it's on the album a, it's cover. It's just like a photograph. You're like, oh, well, oh, God! Okay, <laughs> and then but at this point, Weezer fans are pretty much like, "This is too little, too late." Yeah, um, I'm done, and they leave in droves after hurley it's just not good it's it's pretty bad mm-hmm. the lead single is just the jack guys jackass guys are on the chorus and it's like it's like oh what am i listening what to? are they doing there's some gems on it yeah there's some good tracks but ultimately as an album you get the one two punch of gratitude and hurley and everyone's disappointed right what happened to only in dreams? What happened to these like fun guys? Yeah, and these guitar, these blistering guitar solos—they're emotionally wrecking people, and it's just so disconnected from their emotionalized from reality, and it's just a big lifetime. So, at
0: what point you said it before? What point did you become a fan club member?
1: 2014.
0: 2014. So this was and Hurley came out when? Ten. Okay, so you even after all of this, you're like, I'm joining the fan club.
1: Yeah, because. Things so they go so now we have like a four year break. Mm -hmm. They get really bad reviews, and the the band members are now publicly saying in interviews, "Yeah, we kind of didn't swing for the fences." So they're sort of admitting that it wasn't that great, right? And they're devoted to the fan base again. They start a fan club. They do Weezer cruises where it's just them and thousands of fans stuck on a boat. The fans talk to Weezer and tell them how much they love him but they just wish it got better they wish they were more true to themselves right this all sinks in Rico Kasich comes back on board oh they're man. gonna produce their next album album number 11 it's gonna be huge everyone's interested in it and um it's incredible
0: yeah it is so good and they're Back. So what are you doing at this point? You're, you're just anticipating it all. You're just you're sucking like, up as much I'm, as you can.
1: Yeah, but I'm like I want I, I have no I have no expectations for this album. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be another piece of poop, but it is beautiful. Yeah, and they're back at it again, and they have a song track number two called "Back to the Shack" where they're basically apologizing for their past albums. <laughs> oh okay, and just saying how we're going to go back to 1994 and kind of be be ourselves again.
0: Wow. So, what's the, is this Everything Will Be All Right in the End? Yep. Yeah. Is there anything you want me to play off of it?
1: Uh, Ain't Got Nobody is really good. Track number one.
0: Ain't Got Nobody.
1: And it's back to like concept. There's a concept of this album, there's layers. There's a child. Go
2: back to sleep, honey. Everything will be all right in the end.
1: And immediately you're like oh wait this kind of sounds familiar is, yeah
2: all
1: oh, right i can like this and you just had two disastrous albums right where lil wayne was rapping so you're like oh god please is, yeah. be good this is please very reminiscent
0: good. of like the blue album green album yeah and we're back yeah oh we're back it's cohesive Yeah. it follows through on its promises a lot of some of those songs that we played before just they started one way and then took like a hard right and you're just like what am I listening to?
1: yeah oh we're right into it and at this point I am blissed out in 2014 I am I can't tell you how good I feel that that they're finally back I obsessively devour this album yeah I listen to it hours every day I love this album yeah Uh, Oh, it's so good. It's so fun. That's great. Yeah, and we're back into it, baby. So they're back. We're back. Next album, 2016, the wide album. And uh, everyone's on board. Uh, The fan base is back. The album doesn't sell that well. Everything would be alright, and it doesn't sell that well. Mm -hmm. The singles don't do very good. But the weezer community is happy they're back the album is beautiful it ends in this triumphant like suite of music it's creative it's modern weezer the way it always should have been right it should have been the album number five
0: right <laughs> right so, so they do the White Album, and then...
1: And it's still good. The, everyone likes it. It's still very reminiscent. It's kind of modern. They take some modern risk, but it's still Weezer. Right. And it's the, the it's a one-two punch. Everything will be all right, then in the White Album, everyone's on board. And like, we're in! We're, we're back! Right. And, uh, uh, and then... Uh,
0: Pacific, Pacific Daydream.
1: Pacific Daydream. <laughs> Pacific Daydream comes out. Yeah. And I've heard it called Pacific Day Shit. Yeah. <laughs> In a review that's or not call even. That. but so, like, so <laughs> that's like
0: that's like um spinal tap so play uh, shit, in play um oh they have a song called beach boys play beach boys so you get these two great
1: albums that are pure weezer yeah and like we're okay new album cool feeling good what's this new single you're about to release
0: Oh. Yeah.
2: The sun. Completely
1: different sounds. It's
0: very modern. It's very w- generic. What you would hear on the radio. Yeah. So, so this is the
1: latest and it's baffling and pl- play feels like summer or even God, even happy hour. I mean, <laughs> they're all sort of bizarre.
0: This just feels like summer.
1: This was the lead single single for this album. I recognize this one. There's no guitar. So, we, you just told us that yeah.
0: we're
1: going back to our sound. And then you release this song.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, here, this is Happy Hour.
1: This is very, I'm shopping at Sears.
0: Right. Yeah, I feel like I'm a- checking out
1: the mannequins and the clearance. <laughs> He's
0: crack. got a nice leisure shoot on. So, so it sounds like, in, in sort of to sum up, it sounds like a very contentious relationship between the band and their fans. And you've sort of been in the middle of it from very early on. Yeah. And yet you've somehow persevered.
1: Cuz I love it still and I still think they're there's are still good albums. Right. Comparatively cuz I just I have a very specific taste in music.
0: So you're not going to um, you're not going to fall off after this after I'm Pacific life. Day shit. Yeah, <laughs> you're I'm looking life. forward to the next one.
1: And they have a new album coming out soon. They're yeah. called there's another subtitle titled
0: called the black album. Um, yeah. So um so as far as so we've listened to all these albums. obviously, each one of them, with exception of the blue album, almost seemed to have its detractors immediately. Um, but in terms of the overall arc of the the band and the albums that they put out, what as a diehard fan would be your absolute in you have to listen to this album um for 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 a person who has never experienced them before or you just want to give them if they say what is what what is the song that i need to listen to what is the album i need to listen to in order to get what weezer is overall i know that's a hard question based on everything well, he, that we've. i just mean talked
1: it's, about. it's very easy it's very cliche it's yeah. got to be the first two albums okay it's got to be blue and Pinkerton.
0: you think they sort of encapsulate everything that came afterwards in terms of if yeah, you want that's
1: the core sound that's the range of like being quirky but also, like, depressed and brokenhearted and self loathing, but also being kind of hilarious and charming. Right. Um, yeah, those, those two albums.
0: So, the, and those are your sort of like, you can't miss. Oh, yeah. You want to like Weezer, you listen to, to me,
1: those ones. they're masterpieces.
0: Right. So, in a sense, your sister was kind of right to drop off after Green. Yeah. She was just like, I got it. I know who this band is about.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, there, and there's good stuff throughout the rest of their career. I mean, I think Everything We we'll Be All Right in the End is a great album. Right. And that came out in two thousand fourteen. Right. So that's a good one to check out too.
0: That's cool. Yeah. No, I'm definitely I mean, I'm like I said, I knew a lot of the singles that we talked about and never really dive deep into any of the albums. Um, in spite of all of my alternative loving friends insisting that I listen to Pinkerton, I just kind of always for some reason avoided it. I think out of fear that I wasn't going to enjoy it as much as I was supposed to mm-hmm. quote unquote. And so, you know, that I would be doing something I would be losing some of my um, indie cred if I if I walked away from it going like, ooh, I don't know if I enjoyed that. But um but 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 now you know the story. It's oh, even yeah. better, right? No, absolutely like,
1: I love the narrative Weezer. Yeah. Like I think it's hilarious that they released Beach Boys, that song. Right. After the White album. Yeah. I mean, I've never known a band to mess with their sound and fan base that that just
0: recklessly. Yeah, they really do. They really, they really do. I mean,
1: it's infuriating. Yeah, and people are devastated by these releases. Yeah, because no one's giving up because they love them so much. They're so devoted. No one wants to give up. Well, on and, this they've,
0: band. and they've also shown that they are capable of bringing stuff back. That that you you know, if you got into it yeah. because of Pinkerton, or if you got into it because it's of so Beverly good. Hills, it's like it's you so know good. that song is that 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 format is going to come around at some point. The so you first keep, two
1: albums were so like, life-changing for people, they, it's still relevant. Right. 24 years later... They're hanging on. So it's still... It was that... Those two albums are that good. Right. That based off those two albums alone, they still have t- <laughs> thousands of fans at their shows. Right. Based off of two
0: albums. Yeah. In the 90s. That's great. It's insane. Yeah. So um, j- so just to wrap up, so um, if there's, I know we talked a lot about like their career trajectory and, and, you know, the albums and things, but is there one thing that you sort of wish that we could have gotten into more or a question that I, you know, you wished I would have asked, you know, uh, an interesting fact or topic or something about Weezer that, that sort of has always stuck with you?
1: I don't have, I know you told me to I know we didn't even this. touch, we I don't know. Even, yeah.
0: We didn't even touch like his whole like, asian women thing or you know some of more his you know rivers kind of little quirks you know personal quirks and stuff i know he's kind of a quirky guy
1: yeah i know he's very eccentric
0: so what is it so just in general then what is it you know so uh just you know sum up what is your experience with weezer what have they meant to you professionally um or artistically or creatively
1: well i just love the narrative of the misunderstood artist yeah i'm always drawn to brian wilson to Van Gogh, um, I think Weezer falls into that category because they're just so misunderstood. And um, I think they're geniuses. I think they're like prolific in their music. He's written so many songs. Um, like nope, I mean, there's there's catalogs of music that we haven't heard yet. Right. He, he, he always has, when he re- puts in demos for a new album, there's like 200 songs. Oh, wow. That they sit through for each album. He's that prolific. Yeah. Um, so I love the narrative of this like misunderstood g- anti hero genius mm-hmm. who is this rock god right. who struggles putting out music. He has to wrestle with every album, what people want of him and what he wants to do. Right. And I love that narrative. And I, I think it's just so fun. Yeah. It's so fun to be a Weezer fan and no, infuriating.
0: It it, uh, oh, of course. But I think it's because you know I kind of touched on it earlier, but I think it's because a lot of his work can only be appreciated after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, and when we talked about that earlier, I did think like Van Gogh, you know is one of those things where it's like only afterwards do you go like, oh man he he was actually doing something there, we just didn't get it at the time, yeah, you know,
1: I, yeah, I mean, I think it just it ages well, yeah, the blue album is a masterpiece, yeah it is there is not a bad track on that album, no. it's so good, no, yeah
0: it's great well um thank you for coming in this has been a really really great conversation hey thanks
1: i'm i have a feeling everyone stopped listening f- five fine. minutes it doesn't in. matter okay
0: it's for you and me all right and if you made it to the end congratulations i hope i hope this inspires you to go and listen to at least the first two or three albums of weezer and you know um uh, i i certainly am going to do that so uh thank you thank you adam for coming in and sharing this bit of yourself with me
1: thank you Brett let's hope the black album is better
0: (laughs) let's hope I'll have you back when it's out we'll talk about it what am I missing is edited produced and hosted by me Brett Walden with original music by Anthony Smith special thanks to Adam Scharf if for nothing else not slapping me for asserting that Pinkerton was Weezer's first album If you'd like to know more about me or listen to past episodes, you can find it all on my website, www.brettwalden.com slash WAIM. If you have any questions, comments, or curses about anything you heard today, we have a community for that. Go to facebook.com slash whatamimissingpod and let your voice be heard. Please make sure to rate us on whatever app you choose to listen to podcasts on, and why don't you go ahead and tell your friend about the show as well. Now, here's a preview of next week's episode. He was a part of this group of gypsies, and, and they all would sit around campfires and play music at night. That was just a part of the, the routine. The, yeah. So by the time he was double digits, he was pr- kind of a virtuoso guitarist. Oh, cool. And uh, his family were back in the Paris area. That's kind of where he spent most of his youth. Mm-hmm. And he would play in these family bands. His dad played piano, and uh, he had like seven brothers that were also in the band and uh, Django was in there. Thanks for listening.